4: the Abraham Lincoln
1: Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Now, there's greater recognition that inflation is, is not transitory it is probably with us for a number of years. And I'm personally not blaming the Federal Reserve for where, they, where we are right now. But I believe most of the problems we're living with today are more policy-generated and supply-generated. Who, who was that? Probably ought to know who that was. that was. The BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. So he's a guy who supposedly knows about that on CNBC. A uh, number of experts over the last three days that have come out and said inflation is going to last at least a couple of years. Inflation. Now, what they mean by inflation, because you always have inflation. That's just part of the part of the deal. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like aging. But um, but the goal is to have around two percent inflation, which is what we've had most of my adult working life. Um, So I don't know at what point they call it inflation above that. Well, uh, the accounts I've read seem to be suggesting
5: inflation of the sort we're dealing with now
2: no, for several years or, or close no, to it. No, we can't I know. have. I know it's horrifying. I mean, I know we did through the 70s and 80s. I mean, it's happened before, but man, oof, I don't want to think about that very long. And uh, a guy I worked with the other day said, I try not to think about things I can't control, which is a pretty good policy. Although you do have to make some decisions. Sure, You have to do some financial rejiggering your life if if somewhere between 6 and 8% inflation is going to hang around for several years, not just a couple months, several years. That really affects how much money you're going to have in retire when you retire and all kinds of different things.
5: Well, yeah, there is a huge segment of the population. I can't tell you what the percentage is, but it's got to be, I mean, 50%? Maybe more. The idea of I try not to think about it is just that's out of the question. I mean, desperate decisions are being made about food and housing and, and, and transportation and all sorts of decisions. You know, in the 70s, uh, you know, it's not a big deal. But I remember, you know, reusing plastic bags and my mom with the, the, uh, the rubber yep. band around the yep. soap dispenser because half a squirt's plenty. And we couldn't afford to buy like a new soap dispenser all the time. I dropped out of playing hockey. I loved hockey
2: so much, but it just was too expensive or in the economics of the 70s. Flipping off the lights when you leave the room to keep the electric bill down and all those kind of things that I think for a lot of people have fallen by the wayside over mm-hmm. many decades of good times. Yeah, maybe the reusing the brown bag for school lunch and all that sort of stuff makes a comeback. Do you live in one of the blue states? horrific energy you can't imagine
5: the air conditioning bills so people are going to start going jimmy carter style with
2: the that air conditioner isn't set at 76 it's set at 81 now deal with it strip down to your shorts boy that i'm not doing i will sell plasma at the cvs before i will be hot in my own home well there you go you're making those difficult choices so on along those lines, Target, which lost a quarter of its value a couple of weeks ago when they announced, uh, yeah, we got a problem here." No, Walmart did too. Uh, out, out with another announcement. The eighth largest retailer in the United States, Target. I am a stockholder. To make sure I'm being a fair here, conflict um, of interest. Conflict of take
5: interest. take all this with a grain of salt.
2: <laughs> the hack. They issued their second profit warning in just three weeks, and stocks fall over 9% in the pre-market trading. I haven't seen what they've done uh, uh, since then, but it was a bit of a blow. The retailer said it will discount or cancel orders for products such as patio furniture, small appliances, and all kinds of stuff because uh, demand has just dropped off. So they'd ordered a bunch of stuff thinking the demand was going to be high, and the demand has gone off a cliff. And so they're selling a whole bunch of stuff at rock-bottom prices to get it out of there, to move some inventory, and canceling orders for new stuff coming in. And I don't know about y'all's target, but the two targets that I go to still have a lot of empty shelves, which is weird. Grocery store is just, it's just, I can't get over how often the things I want are not there at the grocery store. I heard that uh, that poor
5: press secretary gal I've switched from uh, criticism to pity she is so what's her name you got a collection of uh of initials that she goes BFD by. <laughs> NFL That's different no no uh anyway she is so clearly over her head and floundering and terrified and incapable of doing the job but KJP KJP. I will not remember that for more than 22 seconds. Anyway, uh, she the other day was claiming that, and uh, store shelves are back to the normal
2: 90 to 91% fall. I was thinking. Hmm, not around my place. Yeah, 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 I'm not seeing that either. From the Wall Wall Street Journal article on the Target story, big retailers benefited over the past two years from the pandemic rush to buy all this stuff, buoyed by government stimulus checks. Yeah. Now, many of those same stores are grappling with the swift reversal of buying behavior, with consumers spending less on goods in favor of services and necessities such as food and gas. So when your hamburger and everything is as expensive as it is and your gas is as expensive as it is, turns out you're not buying new patio furniture, shock of shocks, or practically anything else. And uh, retailers are uh, dealing with that. Now, I guess the good news is that's the point of interest rates and everything like that, trying to, to to slow down the the buying frenzy and cool off the economy. This is the pain we have to go through to get out of this, I guess. Bypassing
5: lawn furniture—that's that's that's not too bad. Uh, But the idea of I don't have uh, enough—you know—I don't have enough money to buy gas and feed my family—that's that's that's rough. But yeah, I think it is working. Uh, Well, obviously, Target would be a better example than my anecdotal behavior. But yeah, people are holding back.
2: I just can't buy a pizza. It's got to be a special occasion, like when I was a kid. It's got to be a special occasion because they're just crazy, ridiculously expensive. Well, as we agreed the other
5: day, hamburger is the new steak, and steak is the new not-going-to-happen.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, steak is the new it's-your-birthday, hamburger is the new steak. The new hamburger, I guess, is whatever you can catch in the street. I was going to say, it's time to try
5: out alternative meats. Squirrel. People have been eating squirrels for generations in rural America, right? And there are a hell of a lot of squirrels, uh, uh,
2: you know, all over the place, right? So, uh, you know, I got an air rifle. You know, what I read the other day, and this probably fits in with the 70s a little bit. There was a big movement there for a while for eating bugs and worms as a, an alternative food. And um, yeah. that was probably yeah. more to do with the, the, the concern about global population, which is laughable now, and food well, shortages and all that sort of stuff. Cows and the poop and the methane, that sort of movement. That's a thing also. Um, yeah. Bugs... I had been told my whole life, just have so much protein in them, and apparently that has been way overstated all these years to try to get people into eating bugs. They don't have near as much protein as the bug lobby has been claiming. <laughs> so if you're moving the direction toward maybe I'll start eating bugs, it's a, it's not quite what it's uh, chalked up to be. Not that I was going to eat bugs, but that is what they've always been claiming. Oh, the amount of protein in bugs. No, that's just it's made up. It's way overinflated. Speaking of things that were hot in the 70s, you know? Suzanne Somers.
5: Inflation, bug-eating. <laughs> you know, I've, i got to go to Target and see what sort of bargain I can get on some lawn furniture. You know what I wish I could get? The lawn furniture of the 70s. Right. Aluminum frame, that like woven, yes. plasticky material. Green and white on. or something. Multiple colors, yeah, available. But light, so light. A grown man could haul half a dozen of them across the lawn. No problem. Sure. You set them up, you throw your lawn jarts you you eat you drink your bud bud heavy out of cans tin cans life was good Sure
2: those lawn chairs you lay down in that collapsed just unexpectedly fold up and <laughs> slice off a finger
5: Right you got nine more Quit whining So when I was a kid your granddad would tell you if you got to the age of 40 with more than seven fingers you're considered the lucky few
2: Sit um, sitting in that precarious chair. One of the points of the Wall Street Journal article about Target today is there are going to be some amazing specials for a while as they try to clear off. Now, here, here I am as the Target stockholder telling you about just basically doing an ad wow. for Target, apparently.
5: This is violation of state, local, <laughs> and biblical <laughs> laws, folks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, a couple that. of quick headlines worthy of touching on, then moving on. Are you worried about the COVID? A couple of big cities are announced, you, announcing you got to go back to masks. Never mind the fact that masks are useless with uh, the uh, Omicron variation C3 or whatever the hell's going around these days. And uh, New York Times has been tracking COVID uh, uh, cases and hospitalizations and deaths since the beginning of the thing. Uh, the death toll is now well below 300 a day which is still a hell of a lot of souls being lost, but they're all old. Um, But reinstituting masks here and there, well, you can now get the COVID antiviral pill, Paxlovid, free by mail. uh, If you got the Medicare going, otherwise it's it's pretty cheap. But uh, yeah, it used to be almost impossible to get the stuff. And antivirals, if you take them soon enough, are really, really helpful with COVID. But now there's a huge supply. So if you happen to get the Chinese bat fever in these latter days of the scourge, uh, get your Google Paxlovid by mail and go get you some. Okay. Oh, this I should have gone with this story first. It's an economic story. There is a massive rent increase hitting mobile homes. Places where you had your manufactured or your mobile home. I,
2: I have rented a mobile home. Uh, when you're renting a mobile home, things aren't going as perfectly as you would like. In my experience, when I was renting it's, my mobile home. It's a rough patch.
5: Yeah. yeah. But they have a bunch of examples around uh, the country in the WAPO, where, for instance, this gal uh, has lived in a rail, uh, trailer park in Forks, Washington, for nearly 30 years, and the month is uh, I'm sorry, the rent has been for a very long time around $350 a month for her little plot of land to port her mobile home. Wow. 350 a month. It's now 1000 Oh,
2: boy. The you rent that- is too damn high.
5: Um- That's right. That's right. Surging home prices and rents are cascading to the country's mobile home parks where heightened demand, low supply, and an increase in corporate owners and investors is driving up monthly costs for low-income residents
2: with few alternatives. Now, I'm not a smart man, but how can there be heightened demand for every kind of living space? The population didn't all of a sudden get 20% bigger. I mean, what's going on?
5: Ah, bubble. (laughs) Okay. People are getting priced out of but who's living in the right. the the place there's a certain right. number of pi- certain that's what I'm of saying. It's a put- game of
2: musical chairs and there are chairs open. I don't know. I think you're above my pay grade. You've blown my mind. If you know the answer to that, text us four one five two nine five KFTC. Four one five two nine five KFTC. What's it like to live in someone else's head? I've got an example for that. Also, finally, tiny elevators come to the Taco Bell drive through among other stories we have on the way.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: All of our business was forced to the drive through So we had a real pain point at the drive through pickup window. We took that idea and literally lifted all the operations of the kitchen up off the ground and made four or five lanes of traffic that go through it. And we serve walk-ups, we serve people on bikes, and we serve lanes of people through traffic. We think that contactless, frictionless experience is the wave of the future. It's, it's called defy. Taco Bell Defy. Yeah, Taco Bell Defy, and it's doesn't matter i've never eaten taco bell it doesn't matter if you eat taco bell or not uh it's just a new way to do drive through and all kinds of different service with uh faster less touching everybody and like so many things out of the pandemic it sped up things that were already going to happen like a lot of the remote working thing was probably going to happen not probably definitely was going to happen eventually well it got sped up and the whole robot this and And um, uh, computerized that got sped up at uh, restaurants and a lot of other places during the pandemic. Right. I I would like to stand up and say this whole, I mean, the story is
5: presented as if everybody wants contactless. They don't want a human being involved. I'm, I'm not going with that. I think we need more human contact, not less. I'm not afraid of getting the frickin' COVID from the guy handing me my fake Mexican food. Um, All right, I'm not going to pretend like that's all just okay.
2: Well, I think what they don't want to say out loud is we don't want to have to hire difficult, sketchy people anymore in the modern work environment, so we're investing in this. That's contactless from our end. We don't want to have to have a human being that contacts the customer. I think that's definitely part of it. Right, they're
5: trying to present it as something you want, but it's right. indeed. And if only somebody had warned the low-level workers of America, oh, that's right, we did like 175 times. If you keep pushing for mandatory high wages for entry-level jobs, those jobs will go away. As uh, Tim Sandover has pointed out, if you put a minimum wage of, say, $15 on being a fast food worker, which is uh, not demanding work intellectually. Okay, I'll just leave that there. You have made it illegal for anybody to accept that job for $14 an hour. So somebody who could only bring $14 of value to that job is now forbidden by law from taking that job.
2: Right. And at McDonald's, I eat McDonald's. Uh, the the new kiosks for your order there and all that sort of stuff, you know, they present it as it better for the customer, but that's that's because they don't want they don't want a big giant splashy announcement. McDonald's figures out ways to 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 not have to pay people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want that to be the big story. But that's what's happening, like you just said. Uh, what's it like to live in someone else's head? I found this is kind of interesting. Actually, I've you, heard that described as the most terrifying thing that could ever happen. I actually brought this up to a neuroscientist the other day. Huh. And since I was talking to a neuroscientist, I asked that question I've always wondered. If you were if you live, if you could live in someone else's head for a while, would you be amazed at how similar it was or would you be terrified at how different it was? And she was 100% you'd be terrified by how different it was. We all see th- so many things completely differently. It would just mm-hmm. be shocking. So, I don't know. But anyway, listen to this. Erza Klein, who is uh, an opinion columnist for the New York Times, uh, wrote this. Is this the way you think? Over the past few years, I've been asked one question more than any other. It comes up at speeches, at dinners, in conversation. It's the most popular query when I open my podcast to suggestions time and again. It comes in two forms. The first, should I have kids given the climate crisis they will face? And the second, should I have kids knowing they will contribute to the climate crisis the world faces? I think that kind of answers the question, because if I lived in his head or a lot of it, I'd be like, what, what are you thinking about? Why are we thinking about this? That is the number one question you get. <laughs> Everyone we you... have more immediate concerns? <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one question you get everywhere you go, every podcast, every column you write. The number one question you get by far is... Should I have kids in the way they're going to contribute to the climate crisis? Are you freaking kidding me? I've never spent one second of thinking about that in my life. Not a second.
5: In answer to your question, no, you should not have kids because you're a dope and little dope junior will contribute to the stupid crisis. Never mind the climate. Don't have children.
2: Wow, it's worthwhile knowing there are, you know, different points of view on different things. Fascinating.
5: Yeah, I'd say. So how's your utopia coming along, Progressive America? We have a bit of an update. Plus, finally, the first transgender NFL cheerleader. If
2: you missed the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's graduation season. Any grads? Oh, very exciting. Very exciting time. That that rite of passage where the kids uh, go on their wondrous journey, you know, after their time at the halls of academia. (laughs) Back to the bedroom they grew up in with the X-Men bedsheets. We hope not. We hope, we hope there's good jobs out there. You know where there are good jobs for teenagers? They say this summer they are desperate to, fu- to get teenagers to help. Uh, of course, teenagers, their entitled to asses are too good for these jobs. They don't, there's, there are jobs they don't want. They don't want fast food jobs. Here's how you get them to take it: tell them, look, you're not a fast food worker, you're a diabetes influencer. <laughs> Wow, the wealthy, liberal L.A. Bill Maher mocking uh, the idea that kids today are too good to take beginner jobs. Hmm. Yeah.
5: Yeah. You know, there's an attitude among the young, perennially, including myself at that age, that older people are more conservative because they're bitter and greedy. (laughs) and just want to keep their own stuff. Could it be that life experience plays a small role observing humanity over time? You start to think, wow, that worked and that didn't. I don't know. Maybe
2: I, I only have my own socioeconomic background, so I don't know what other people's uh, are or were. But th- there, there was nobody in my crowd that was dismissive of any kind of job when I was that age. I knew no. somebody. I knew somebody. Uh, girl that lived next to me in the apartment I lived when I graduated college. Her boyfriend was the uh, the guy at McDo- manager at McDonald's. He'd worked his way up there. Done. I didn't think anything of that. It was just a good job. He was making more money than I was. Uh, there was there was there was none of that. But again, that was my own socioeconomic experience.
5: Well, just uh, you were there in Western Kansas. I was in uh, right outside the city limits of Chicago. And in my friend group, which ranged from ranged from. Uh, the son of a a carpenter who worked semi-regularly, but they were far from wealthy, to um, the daughter of a very wealthy banker, Um, she had a part-time job. Everybody did. The idea of being disdainful of it is as weird and foreign to me as being disdainful of wearing pants i just i can't imagine anybody holding that attitude and yet it's fairly widespread now
3: right
2: and
5: it's crazy how quickly a,
2: a culture can change yeah well i'm gonna really try to have my kids not have that attitude hey a quick note about uh, politics that just occurred to me as i'm watching the tv and our executive producer hansen is following the hearings on gun legislation did you remember that this was the big week this was the week For the first time in all these horrible shootings where actually the rubber might meet the road and there might be some movement on gun legislation, except for the whole January 6th thing got kicked off yesterday and has sucked all of the air out of the gun legislation thing. I didn't even remember what was going on. And I'm watching the cable news or the uh, network news channels, your Good Mornings America, your Today's Show, those kind of places. They're all about the analysis of the upcoming January 6th hearing. They're not talking about the gun legislation stuff. So, hey, Democrats, I think you stepped on one of your big moments. This was when you're really going to put the pressure on those, you know, those evil Republicans who are in the pocket of the NRA and don't care about kids being murdered. This was going to be the week you really put the pressure on them, except everybody's on to January
5: 6th. And and the the, the primetime TV hearings haven't
2: even started. So it's a preview. Well, I got to admit, in the, the the kind of news I take in, I take in a lot of politics news, it was all about the January 6th and they hired the ABC guy and what's this going to be about and everything. I didn't hear a word about gun legislation stuff yesterday. So that's how quickly that went away. Yeah, there's still hope, but I lost about
5: two-thirds of, and different people have different hope for different outcomes, but I lost about two-thirds of my interest in it when I read the account that Nancy Pelosi is pushing this massive gun control thing through the House, which has a zero percent chance of even getting a breath in the Senate. I mean, it's it's a non-starter, so it is clearly an effort to hang guns around the Republicans' necks and do nothing about it. I'm reminded of Tim Scott of South Carolina. He had this... uh really common sense, I agree with, you know, 90% of it, police reform stuff in the wake of, you know, the George Floyd dealio. And he was working hard to get that passed. And uh, Nancy Pelosi said, no, 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 this is not good enough. This is 80% of the loaf. We want 130% of the loaf. So the only thing we will pass is this. And she trotted out this just utterly ridiculous, couldn't possibly be passed stuff for fundraising purposes. They have no interest in legislating. That's a problem. I'd say it's, a, it's, a, it's a, beyond a problem. It's a, it's a crisis. What to do about it? I don't know. Spread our particular brand of slightly optimistic cynicism around the planet. It, any trust or worship of politicians right now, you ought to be slapped. My favorite politicians, I treat like, you know, uh, what's a good metaphor? Well, I don't trust them. I like them. I support them. But I keep my eye on them. Anyway, it's a proud moment, Jack, in the NFL as the exploitation of female-looking bodies for the entertainment of guys who are bored between plays, I guess. Whatever NFL cheerleaders are.
2: Yeah, and what the point is of that, yeah.
5: They have now greeted the first openly transgender cheerleader to an NFL team. Fantastic. What team? I'll give you three guesses, and I guarantee you get it wrong. The where is, is
2: kind of interesting. I was going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Good guess. <clears throat> Miami Dolphins. <clears throat> San, Another good guess. San Francisco 49ers.
5: Another fine guess. Okay. But no, no.
2: The Carolina Panthers of Charlotte, North Carolina. I was going to guess definitely not the Cleveland Browns. I don't know. That's probably unfair. Um, So the Carolina Panthers have the first transgender NFL cheerleader. Fantastic. Well, you you
5: remember, it wasn't the NCAA or the NBA. The the NBA yanked the All-Star Game out of Charlotte because of the infamous bathroom law uh, four or five years ago. whatever That was. So it's at least mildly uh, surprising that the the Panthers have hired 29-year-old Justine Lindsay.
2: I'm guessing she's crazy hot as a
5: transgender, well, very slender person and a skilled dancer. There you go. Yes, bald-headed. Said she's proud to quote break down that door for future trans athletes by joining the cheerleading squad, why ever that wherever why that exists for the Carolina Panthers top cats. That's the name of their cheerleading squad. Fantastic. This is big, she told BuzzFeed News. I think more people need to see this. It's not because I want recognition. It's just to shed light on what's going on in the world. I don't I don't know in what way that sheds light. All right. All right. All right. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I find that story uh, anyway. It's Uh, so how's your utopia coming along? We'll check in on on left-wing America, a couple of really revealing stories. (sighs) I don't know why that story just so deflated me. The transgender cheerleader story? Maybe because I'm looking at, uh, at, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I'm, all right, I've (laughs) got to be careful here. Because I'm looking at all the pictures in the thing. I haven't seen the pictures. Striking the the classic "Look how long and beautiful my legs are, boys!" Sure, pose. Right, right. This person is, and I'm just not. I'm not digging it. Okay. I'm not hating. Just not digging it. Okay. All right. <sighs> the NFL. Anyway. Oh, uh, so okay. uh, a check Hansen, in on Hansen, liberal, Hansen, liberal America.
2: Hanson just sent me a picture to my phone.
5: No. What's the point? This is not a good idea. Trust me. This is not a good idea. No, trust Joe. This is not what, a good what idea. What good could come of
2: it? Very mm-hmm. attractive. Yeah, very attractive uh, woman. Yeah. Very attractive there, you woman. there you go. Yeah, and from the you go. A- a- 80th row, I'm sitting in at a football game where I, they could be, they could be men or women or formerly men or women or robots or monkeys or anything. It wouldn't make any difference. I wouldn't be able to tell because I'm so far away. I don't. The cheerleaders, unless you're in like the first two rows. What's the point of having the hot cheerleaders? I don't understand what that is. Jack, what is a woman? Oh, that's right. You're not a biologist. Never mind. I retract the question. Okay. Um, More on the way. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Harrowing video out of Venice, California last August shows a 16-year-old driver with no license in a stolen car mowing down a mother walking with her baby in a stroller leaving them with minor injuries. The juvenile then tries to flee the scene before a good Samaritan uses his truck to stop him. Fox News has learned that teen was on felony probation at the time for spiking a girl's drink in 2019, and he was in violation of his probation. Despite that criminal history, on Friday, the teen was sentenced to serve just five months in diversionary camp, which prosecutors tell us is a little tougher than summer camp. This after LA District Attorney George Gascon's office opted to less serious felony charges in accordance with his
0: progressive policies.
2: Well, you're next, Gascon. Chesa Bodine's going down today in a recall election in uh, San Francisco, and uh, you're, you're next. And
5: maybe it took this to alert Americans to the importance of district attorneys and law enforcement in their areas. People will start paying attention to those elections. I certainly hope so. And attorneys general in states, too. That's important. Uh, by the way, next hour, I just came across one of the most astoundingly positive news uh, pieces of news from the world of cancer treatment ever. Yeah, in fact, I've seen this. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, my gosh, it's a we've never seen this in the history of cancer, said one of the researchers. So stay with us for that. Uh, we we touched on this story yesterday, a couple of stories. Um, I'm going to call it "How's your utopia coming along?" Which was a long-time slogan on the Armstrong and Getty Show. As we witnessed the early days of the uh, the very policies we're talking about with George uh, Gascon, Chesapeake, Dean, Seattle becoming Free Adel, uh, allowing uh, junkies to live everywhere in the name of compassion, uh, we would regularly say, "How's your utopia coming along?" Because they promised us if we uh, enacted these uh, progressive policies, we would have a Uh, Soon, a a utopia where the poor and the rich could live side by side and everybody'd be happy and and everything was clearly going to hell. Well, uh, let's start with this from uh, the Mercury News, which is out of uh, San Jose, California, South Bay. I guess I'm not as liberal as I thought. Recall effort forces deep reflection among San Francisco Democrats. I'm just going to read part of it to you. Tamara Friedman has always considered herself a true San Francisco Democrat. The frame shop owner is a proud environmentalist, pro-choice supporter, and believes in the city's status as a sanctuary for undocumented immigrants. So that's a lefty, folks. But with addicts using city-issued straws and foil to inhale fentanyl and needles to inject it, then slumping over in a stupor for the rest of the day in front of her Rust Street shop, she and her friends are having something of a political identity crisis. Quote, all of my friends consider themselves fairly progressive, she said, but they're speaking now of this new term. I guess I'm not as liberal as I thought. With a backlash brewing against far-left politics, the city, once known for its summer of love, appears headed for a summer of tough love. And then they That's get a pretty into good the, line. That is a pretty good line. Uh, they get into the inevitable recall of the Marxist lunatic son of terrorists Chessa Bodine, who has tried to decriminalize crime in San Francisco. The country is watching. Even the Wall Street Journal weighed in to endorse the recall. Uh, Symbols of San Francisco as a city of extreme tolerance run amok are frequent fodder for conservative media and late-night comedians. Well, that's true, but it's funny how quickly they gloss over that. They just quoted a far-left person in the arts, name-checked conservative media, and late-night comedians. What are the politics of late-night comedians, Jack? Very left. So, in other words, Mercury News, and I understand if you're this brief and concise as we are, you know, people might not read long enough and see enough ads, but what you just said is, everybody's talking about this! Everybody! Regardless of their beliefs! Anyway, uh, moving along. Uh, they go into some detail on the uh, the recall and the pride parade organizers coming under fire from the mayor and others for a plan to ban police officers from marching in uniform, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The Archbishop Catholic leader saying Nancy Pelosi can't get uh, communion anymore because she's too happy about abortion. You can barely tune in a Golden State Warriors playoff game without NBA analyst Charles Barkley disparaging the city. Well, he's more or less describing it, quipping last month that a good rainstorm might, quote, clean up those dirty ass streets there.
2: Yeah, we're, we're, that's not a. That's just a description of a fact. Yeah, no kidding.
5: Uh, On Thursday, the day the Warriors hosted the first game of the NBA Finals, cleanup crews appeared in force in some of the grittiest parts of the city's south of Market and Tenderloin neighborhoods. Folks, you don't know gritty. (laughs) Unless you've walked through the Tenderloin lately. Gross. That was too late for Colby Bowles, whose wife and son moved full time to their vacation home near Lake Tahoe two years ago when addicts set up tents on his street and his wife announced, we can't live here anymore. He's always considered himself a liberal Democrat, but these days he's not sure what to call himself. I don't want to call myself conservative, but I think there are some overly liberal approaches that aren't really working, Bowles, age 52, said. It's kind of like all carrot and no stick here, and things seem to have gotten progressively worse.
2: I know, I know. You you have to have labels to describe things, uh, other, uh, to, to be able to have a conversation. But I, I wish conservative and liberal could be their, um, you know, their original meanings in that. You are conservative, sir. You want to conserve the way things used to be. That doesn't mean you're, uh, you know, you're like George W. Bush or Donald Trump or anything like that. You're trying to conserve the way your city used to be, which wasn't like this. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You're expressing the belief
5: that the things that are tried and true, that have worked for many decades, that have balanced uh, compassion and order, are worth preserving, and we should throw them away only with a great deal of thought and deliberation. Mr. Bowles, you're the definition of a conservative, the real definition, as Jack points out. It's difficult to imagine that just two years ago when George Floyd protesters were gassed in Lafayette Park in front of the White House to open a path for President Trump to pose with a Bible, I quoted that in its entirety to just again illustrate to you how died in the wool lefty this journalist is. But the sentence goes on that any San Francisco Democrat would be questioning their liberal bona fides. So much has changed. The mayor, London Breed, a Democrat who proposed cutting the police budget by $120 million at the height of the Defund the Police movement, ordered increased funding for police and a crackdown in the Tenderloin after brazen lootings in Union Square, smash-and-grab crime sprees, uh, sprees, and a critical opioid crisis on the streets. That's quite the transformation. I wonder why she did that. Hmm. Because she decided the things that they had tried were a miserable failure. Let's see. There's one uh, one more thing I wanted to throw in. While nearly two-thirds of the city's registered voters are Democrats, and another 27% are unaffiliated with any party, so that is like 93%, uh, there's a great deal of dissent now. The recall will be a bellwether moment. There is too much crime. Um, and then you have a, a couple of way lefties are quoted, that it's just income inequality that's the problem. Right. Um, but then here's this flower shop owner who is no conservative, who's become known as a video vigilante for posting images and, of, uh, and videos of despair in his walk to work. of the, Just the people slumped over, dead people, poop, whatever. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at the clock. We don't really have time, but this story about uh, Seattle City Hall Park. You know, it's funny how similar it is. Talking about how the park has been utterly unusable for almost a year now, it's quite literally been fenced off. You can't go in there. It's too dangerous. Too many junkies and tents and pit bulls and needles and the rest of it. Oh,
2: jeez. Junkie tents, pit bulls, and needles. And
5: pit bulls wielding needles. I mean, it's just it's a nightmare. Um, Junkie and, pit bulls. And all these... <laughs> And how they shoot up without opposable thumbs its just, well, it's a miracle of innovation. Anyway, good dog. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it's funny how similar the story is. These died in the wool way out there, lefty people saying, this is horrible. We've lost control. We've got to do something.
2: We have to tell you about this amazing cancer news to kick off Hour 3. If you haven't heard it or if you ever miss an hour of the show, you can get it in podcast form. You can get it at armstrongandgetty.com or just search for Armstrong and Getty On Demand wherever you find podcasts.
1: Armstrong and Getty. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do